Okay, when you, you know it's bad when you revert to wheels on the bus, right? Uh, if that's your best choice. So I don't think we're improving. Um, I'm sorry, but I just don't think we're improving. So the thing is that's in common with the 90s and with 2016 is that they weren't ready. Both of those dads were not ready for that answer, weren't ready for that question, and they were just reacting and coming up with some, the best thing they could think of at the time. Our children deserve such a better reaction than that. In fact, we need to be running way ahead of them and be ready and anticipate all of their questions and what's coming at them in the culture. So um, we are going to do that today. You're going to leave here ready. Isn't that good to know? So yippee, hopefully everyone got a handout. And in that handout, um, there's an outline, and that's going to be the outline of what we're doing today. So let's get started. What is the first step that we're going to take in shaping our child's sexual character? What do we do very first thing? The very first thing is so easy because it does not involve children. But it's challenging because you really have to stop and think. And as parents of young children, that's, that's you know, sometimes hard to, to do. But um, what I want you to do is think deeply about this question. What is the main thing that I want my children to learn about sex if they're growing up in my family? What is the, and I always do this, like what's that overarching idea that we hope they carry away with them from growing up in our family? What's the image we hope they have about sex? And what words will we use or expressions on our face will we use or um, what will be the atmosphere of our home about this subject? And so that has to be something that's thought through. I know when um, my husband Dave and I were kind of going through this process, we pulled out a legal pad and we were writing down everything we could think of. Okay, we're going to teach them about this. Well, I, we never learned about this. We need to teach them about that. We were making a list. And my husband is in marketing at Southwest Airlines. And so he is like, let's turn this thing into a billboard. You know, we can't really look at this and, and remember the whole list, but what what's the general theme? So we talked through that, like what were we seeing here? And I would say we had things down there that I would call the beauty. Like we wanted them to understand the beauty of God's design and the beauty and the awe and the amazing thing that birth is. And, you know, we wanted, there were things that were beautiful on there. But then there were other things that I would call the boundaries. You know, like watch out, this is, this is kind of, this is the context. For us, it was the boundaries would be within marriage, you know. So those, those were kind of some of the things that we saw. We saw the dangers and the pleasures. We saw all kinds of different things on that page or on, you know, like 10 pages. And, um, but he said, we're, we're going to try to get this into one sentence, you know, that old English teacher thing. So the sentence that we came up with was that this is what we wanted our children to understand about sex, that sex is a gift from God intended for marriage. Do you see how there's not a lot of biology there? It's not a lot of facts. It's more of a theme. It's more of a destination. It's the purpose of your conversations. And the best thing about having that be your first step is that's where you pull vocabulary from. And it also, the more in love you are with that message, like sex is a gift from God intended for marriage, was that was where we were going. So we wanted to have conversations with our children so we could go there, so we could get there. So the more you like your message, the less reluctant you are to talk to your children because you have a reason to talk to them. Now, I don't pretend that only people of faith want to talk to their children about, about sex. I speak in a lot of 
liberal schools and, and all different kinds of audience and, and, and even different faiths in the synagogues. And, and um, so I don't I think this is just a Christian thing that, that people want to do. Uh, I have a friend, and she was a nurse, and she was not going to incorporate um, faith within her me message, but she was very concerned because she'd been a high school nurse. She'd seen kind of all of the hard things, kind of like Megan saw in the middle school, just when kids had an early sexual debut, the depression and the disease, she'd just seen a lot of fallout from that. And so for her children, the message was going to be this, considering your future and your health, postpone sex until marriage. You see that's a different focus for that? Um, I told you that as I grew up that um, I didn't hear the word sex or, or anything about it. But uh, one Thanksgiving, after I first started doing this, I was at home and I was, it was Thanksgiving and we were washing dishes afterwards and I was talking to my cousin. And she was saying, so what are you doing these days? And I was like, well, I'm teaching parents how to talk to their kids about sex, don't tell mom. And um, she was like, oh really, well, we wanna do that. And so I said, okay, well, I'll tell you about the message and then you and, and Mike think of, for the next two weeks of what your message is gonna be and then call me back, I'll give you the other steps on the phone. So she said, fine, okay. so. Two weeks goes by, and it's almost Christmas. I'd kind of forgotten we had the conversation, and the phone rings, and it's Mike. And he said, hey, what's going on? I said, great, what's happening? He said, okay, well, we have our message. And I said, oh, Mike, that's great. Well, do you love it? He said, oh, gosh, yes, we, we love it. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, okay, this is what we want the girls to know. Sex is like that plug over there. You touch it, you die. <laughs> so, so, well, it is one sentence, you know, but um, so... What I want to say is this, these are your children, and you get to decide what that message is, not some curriculum committee in some school somewhere else. You get to decide the focus of these conversations. Um, and so you can have a faith-based message, you can have a health-based message, you can have a fear-based message. But think through, is this really the, the heartbeat that I really want to share with my children because it has to be genuine from you. So the more this means to you, the more you'll be able to talk to your children. This should contain your core beliefs, your closely held values, it should be one sentence, and the hopes and expectations of your children. So what I want you to realize is this is no longer about you and your past, it's about your children and their future and the world in which they're growing up. So you need to kind of leave your, your, if you have things that you need to deal with for about you, that needs to be dealt with, but now you need to step into, into their world and what they, what they might need. So now that you have your message, this is it, this is where our family's going with this topic, then the next step is going to be hopefully to have conversations. And to have conversations, it's very helpful to have words, and to have words, you know, was kind of hard for me. I only had one word, actually, at this time in my life, and that one word was privates. I didn't even say it very loud. You know, it would be bath time, and it would be like, you know, wash your, scrub your elbow and your earlobe and your ankles and your knuckles, and, you know, everything had a funny little word. Oh, that cute little freckle needs to be washed. You know, just everything had a word. But then I would say, and don't forget to wash your privates. Yeah, privates. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way I was raised. And so, um, you know, I would just kind of, yeah, I, that, that, yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's the general idea. So I, I didn't have any words. And so at some, you know, I was anticipating someday if I have to explain sexual intercourse, that's going to be a really short conversation. I'm going to be able to say, well, daddy has privates and mommy's has privates. 
and they do something very private. <laughs> and now you know. Um, now we're done. Goodbye. Um, keep, your, keep your privates clean. Keep your privates private. That was about the extent of all that I had said to them. And so I thought, okay, I know that if the, if the first day they hear about penis and vagina, I'm also explaining sexual intercourse, I may not make it through the end of the day. So we're going to have to get those words to them sooner. Now, this is sort of a generational thing, because I feel like you all are so much better about that. And probably a lot of you in the room are like, okay, good, been there, done that. We're already dealing with medical terminology. But I've had the privilege of speaking to the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. And all of the people that are there are doctors, and they are still, you know, they would come up to me afterwards and saying, thank you, I'm still using wingy-wangy words. You know, with my, you know, at, at the office I'm using all of the biology, but at home I'm not. So make sure that your children know their body parts and that they can identify them in a medically correct term. Now that doesn't mean that you have to use those words all the time. Like you can interchange it with, you know, uh, um, with privates if you want to. It doesn't have to just, like in public, I would have our children say, why don't we, you know, with other people around, we'll, we'll call it privates. But that was, you know, it's uh, totally up to you. Just be sure that they can identify those. The other thing that you need to be sure is that you're using respectful tone and language whenever you're talking about our bodies. And that has to do really with anything. But when we're talking about somebody's body, we're talking about someone who's been fearfully and wonderfully made. We're talking about somebody who's made in the image of God. So we need to be very respectful anytime we talk about our bodies. Okay, so we, we have our message. We're working on our medical and respectful vocabulary, which is great. That's going to be helpful down the road. And then the next step is the story of birth. Now, you, um, we know that conception comes before birth, but actually children developmentally are usually first of all curious about birth and then curious about conception. They're little problem solvers and they see someone and having a baby, you know, or expecting a baby, and they want to know now, how is that baby getting out of there? That's a problem for them. So, Daddy, how is that baby getting out of Mommy's tummy? Um, these are great questions. And so, actually, Dave and I, we, but we, Dave and I were afraid of all of these questions. So we decided that what we needed was, a when we got them, a pre-designated opening sentence and for us, it was going to be great questions, so glad you asked. I mean, that's easy to say, and it's a kind of a stalling device, too, because you have something to say, but you're not really saying anything important yet. And, um, and then we needed a pre-designated facial expression because we knew we were going to be, you know, kind of contorted. So, um, so great question. I am so glad you asked me that. You are such a good question asker. You know, we were just, we would kind of stay there for just a little while while we're trying to get, find that file somewhere in our brain of what we were going to say. So, so Daddy, how is that baby getting out of there, out of Mommy's tummy? Great question. So glad you asked. You know, sweetheart, by God's design, there's a special place where a baby grows, and it's not the tummy. Are you surprised? See, I'm all about taking babies out of tummies. They aren't in there, in case you didn't know. Okay, there's a special place designed by God called the uterus, and that's where the baby grows. And unlike penis and vagina, that word is really not going to get you kicked out of the carpool. So it's, um, it, so we need to put babies exactly where they are. So by God, and I love this phrase, 
by God's design. I almost always go in the right direction if I start with that phrase because I blame everything on him. Um, <laughs> by God's design, there's a place where a baby grows and it's called the uterus. It's pretty amazing, but the baby starts out really tiny and after about nine months is big enough to live outside the uterus. So what happens is this, the muscles around the uterus start to squeeze and they push the baby out of the uterus through the birth canal and out a special opening between the mother's legs called the vagina. Now the baby's here, but the baby's still connected to the mom by the umbilical cord, so the doctor will snip that off and that's currently known as your belly button. That used to be your umbilical cord. Now sometimes, sweetheart, babies are in the uterus and they're ready to come out, but they wiggle and they're not going straight for the birth canal. So the doctor will know that and he'll take his instruments and make a slit close to where the baby is. Notice I didn't say he will take a great big knife and cut your mother wide open. <laughs> Children don't like to hear that. So think about your words, you know, picture what your child is picturing. So the doctor will use his instruments and make a slit close to where the baby is and lift the baby out. That is called a cesarean section. That's such a long word. We just usually call it a C-section. And that's how your cousin Liza was born, and that's why her head is so pretty. <laughs> so, you know, we want them to have all the facts, all the facts. So we want them to, the, the purpose of the birth story is this one word, dazzle them. Like, make them step back and go, whoa, you guys know a lot. Because this is what we're trying to do is to build credibility in their minds that we are the people to come to. We've got the information. So you want to make it awe-inspiring, like this is an amazing thing. You're going to get many chances to tell this story. You'll, they'll come back and say, tell me again how that baby got out of there and how did I get out? And mommy, did it hurt? Well, it was uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, just letting them having a good conversation about this is a great foundation for for future conversations now if you've already blown it the way I did and you haven't blown it but with my first child it was basically I was so surprised to get the question um, mommy how's that baby getting out of there oh well I go to the hospital what kind of cookie would you like you know <laughs> I think we're going to Disneyland where do you want to go you know just anything just think of something else and so I had to come back around you know, I, you don't, if you feel like, oh, I wish I'd done that differently, you can, they're still with you. So just come back around, maybe the next time you take a meal to a friend who just had a baby, or you see someone expecting, or you look through your baby book with them, just say, you know, when you were born, it, I'll just never forget that night. Now, do you remember how a baby is born? Yes, mommy, you go to a hospital. Okay, well, would you like to hear the long version of that? Because I feel like now that you're, you know, a little bit older, I want to tell you exactly how that happens. So, you know, you can just find a way to make a teachable moment and be sure that they, that they hear this story from you. Because it's a fun story to tell. It's real, it's, they love it. And we mainly want them to be impressed and hear a lot of vocabulary. And then we've done our job with the birth story. So now that they know the story of birth, the next step is the easiest of all. So simple. But it's some, one of those things that it's so obvious, but we kind of ignore it all the time. And that is to focus on seeds and eggs. Um, we can do that in our kitchen, in our gardens, in our grocery store, at the farmer's market. So what we want them to see is that deep inside of every living thing is part of what it takes to make the next living thing just like it.
So whether it's a seed or an egg, it is part of God's design for reproducing living things. And we just want them to see that. So instead, you know, when you're cutting that apple open for snack time, instead of going straight to the garbage disposal with your little ones, just go ahead and, and open up the core and look at those seeds and see, you know, just observe, make observations about them. Isn't it interesting how the texture of the apple changes so to, it can protect those seeds? You know, it's, you wouldn't want to eat that because it doesn't really taste, it's a little bit bitter. Or, you know, isn't it funny, most seeds are on the inside, but strawberries, they're on the outside. Or isn't it, I wonder how you plant a banana seed. Or, you know, just be kind of curious. When you're making a salad, pull out the seeds to the bell pepper and the cucumber and the tomato and just let them see how the seed looks nothing like what it's going to be. This fall, when you get your pumpkins, instead of you pre-cleaning them, you know, let them get their hands in there and pull out the seeds and, and just talk about that. Just be more observant. observant. And you probably have friends that have chicken coops these days. Do y'all, anybody have friends that have? I think that is so fun. So let them go, you know, get some, catch some eggs. Go, go get some eggs. Okay, so, um, so now, believe it or not, we haven't been talking very long, and you've got your message, your vocabulary, your, uh, the story of birth, and reproduction. If you'll notice, these have not been all in one hour or all in one day. Instead, we're trying to find life moments where you can come along and give context to what you're talking about. So what we want this to do is we, we want to totally do away with the talk. Like, I want that to be so long time ago. And in fact, Megan and I have talked many times, this is going to be like the new sex revolution. Our children are going to look back and say, didn't everyone talk to their kids when they were little? You know, yes, that's what we're going for. So um, what we really want is for you to start when they're younger and then have there be a lot of small conversations rather than just, here's our day. We're checking this off the parenting list of things to do, and this day will soon end. But when it does, <laughs> when the sun sets today, we will have had the talk. And, you know, it, we build it up in our mind to such a horrifying thing, and then we're nervous, and they're nervous, and, and it is. It's, it's nerve-wracking. But the big question for a lot of us is the next question. So, Mommy, how did that baby get in there? Great question. I am so glad you asked. Um, is that ringing a little bit? Anyway, maybe it's just me. Um, but before we walk into that conversation, I want to tell you about a question I get all the time as a speaker, and that is, so Mary Flo, when is the right time? Like, I, I don't want to do it too early. That makes me a little scared, and I don't want to do it too late. And so when is, like, the perfect time to do it? I want to do it at the perfect time. And, um, and I'll, that's a hard question to answer, and I'll tell you why, by introducing you to two six-year-olds, okay? And they're really tall, so everyone can see them in the back. But here is our first six-year-old. He's standing right here, and um, he is so cute. He, because he's a firstborn six-year-old, he, he reads six-year-old books. He um, watches six-year-old TV. He watches six-year-old videos. He tells six-year-old jokes. He thinks they're hilarious. Um, because he is a firstborn, he has three healthy meals a day and two organic snacks. <laughs> he, could, he could pretty much be a docent at the Alamo. He has... He goes to the science museum regularly, he can play chess, and as a child he had tummy time, nap times, you know, bath time before they were really dirty. You know, this is, this is your almost third adult in the room, this is your firstborn 
six-year-old child. And, oh, he's just so cute. Okay, so over here we have another six-year-old, and he's just as cute as this one, except his socks don't match because he's the youngest of four. <laughs> this child has a 16-year-old brother, so he watches 16-year-old TV, tells 16-year-old jokes, and gets it, knows what's under his 16-year-old brother's bed is promised not to tell. He's never had a day where he had three healthy meals a day and two organic snacks. Most things are in the drive-thru, and they just pass them back to the last row where he is. And he's never had a nap that was not on the sidelines of a soccer field. So this child doesn't even know who Big Bird is because basically that was for the babies and he doesn't want to be a baby. Now, by God's design, this child sits next to this child in first grade, brings him up to speed that fast. Is this not true? This is reality. This is reality. Your family is the age of your oldest child and everyone else just has to keep up, right? So, that, that's, even if you have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, the four-year-old is doing everything the six-year-old is doing. They don't get ziplocked in their own category. So when my firstborn met this child in first grade, I couldn't believe it. Like, they're letting them watch PG-13 movies, and they're only six. Or, you know, and I thought, well, found out they had an 18-year-old at home, and they were just splitting the difference. You know, it's like... <laughs> The 18-year-old's not happy, and nobody else is either, but we're just, you know, and plus, I think after the fourth child, you're tired, right? So, <laughs> I give up. Um, but, but, okay, so when we first met this child, I thought, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? My first instinct was to find a school for firstborn children. <laughs> but they do not exist. <laughs> just so you know, that's, they're not out there. That's probably a good thing. But, um. I was just a little bit horrified, but what that did for the work that I was doing or the, you know, kind of how we were trying to talk to our kids is that I realized, oh my goodness, if I'm going to be the one to tell them, then it's going to be <coughs> sooner than you think. That's the old name for this program. Okay. It, it, this was going to happen sooner. Either I was going to tell them or this child was going to tell them. And I didn't think this child had exactly the same message that I did. And so um, that, was, that was just kind of life-changing for me. That's when I realized we've got to do this to preempt the culture, not just in reaction to the culture. And so I thought, okay, but I don't want to over... The last thing I wanted to do was over-sensualize my young child. So I, it's like this dilemma. What, what am I going to say? Not to say too much. Not say, you know, be sure we say enough. So all of that is to lead up to answering that question. So, Mommy, how did that baby get in there? What we're going to do is we're going to take the most basic biology, the most basic biology, and we're going to wrap it in the vocabulary of our message. We want them to not only get the vocabulary of the biology, but the vocabulary of our message, okay? So depending on what your message is, you will write it out differently than mine. But ours was this, sex is a gift from God intended for marriage. So you will hear me use a reference to God, and you'll hear me use a reference to a husband and a wife instead of a man and a woman, because that will reflect what I'm, what I'm intending for them to understand, okay? So I'm just... I'm taking this whole conversation apart for you so that it'll be easier because I know this is the conversation that we just would rather probably skip. 
but we can't. So how are we going to do this? Okay, so back again. Mommy, how did that baby get in there? Great question. I am so glad you asked. You know, sweetheart, it's pretty amazing, but by God's design, a husband and a wife were made to fit together in a very special way. There's a seed that's deep inside of the daddy, and there's an egg that's deep inside of the mommy. And when they fit together in this way, the seed and the egg meet, and that's what God uses to start the baby. Okay, I can tell you're disappointed. Um, <laughs> you wanted a little more, right? Okay, what I want to tell you is that, and don't worry, I'll say it again. I see everybody writing very furiously. And it's in the book, if you want to buy the book, all the whole conversation's in the book. So, and it's going to be online at some point. Anyway, what I want to tell you is this was my second daughter, Jill, who I was giving this information to. I was pregnant with our third, and she was my question asker. And so she was just like, Mommy, how had that baby get in there? How'd that baby get in there? She was almost five. That's really little. She was so young. I just thought, I really don't want to tell you. You're only almost five. And I couldn't even say four because <laughs> I would never tell a four-year-old this. So you have to be almost five. Um, <laughs> I feel better about that somehow. Um, and so I didn't want to just, but I knew if I didn't tell her, she was going to ask the checkout lady at the Tom Thumb. She was determined to find an answer to this question. And I didn't want to just pick up the big book labeled sex and drop it on her head. So what did I want to do? I wanted to open that great big book and just introduce the characters. And for our family, those characters were going to be God, a husband, a wife, a seed, an egg, and God does what he does with those things. And that was going to be enough. Like, let's just introduce the characters and I think that'll be good. So one day at the park, she walked up for the umpteenth time. I was like, all sweaty and said, Mom, when are you going to tell me how that baby got in there? I said, right now. And I said that. And she said, whew, went back to play. Like, it was not that big a deal. Of course, I fainted over, you know, onto the bench of the park. But, like, she just wanted an answer. What children want to know is how this happens. What they don't know they're going to get is, is that the, an the answer to that is sex, right? So, but later that day when we got home and she said, I'm so glad you told me. And I said, well, you know what? Mommy's glad that she got to tell you that too. But what I want you to know is what I just explained to you has a name. And doctors call it sexual intercourse. And it's in the Bible, it's called one flesh. It's something that God has designed for people who are married. And it's for people who are married so that they can raise a family. And what else did I say? And don't tell your friends. No, I said it nicer than that because otherwise she would go straight to uh, Lindy and Hannah, her neighbors, and have done that. So I, I just said, this is what we call a mommy and daddy and children conversation. This is called a private family conversation. So all the mommies and the daddies get to tell their own children when they think it's the best time. So it is not your job to share with the soccer team, the choir, the, you know, you just list everything they're, they're you know, involved in. Your cousins, no, 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 no. Um, so it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's not our place. It would not be polite and no one would appreciate it. And if you ever want another play date, you'll take my advice. So this is, you know, so you do want to kind of follow up and say, this is what I've just explained to you. This is the name of what I've just described to you. And that this is, these are kind of the manners that we, we want to uh, understand about it. Now, 
question askers don't ever stop asking questions. And so it wasn't that long before I get the, so mom, what do you mean fits together? Great question. <laughs> I am so glad you asked. The harder the question, the slower you say that because you really need to take your breath. Okay, okay, sweetie. Um, do you, it, it's really quite amazing, but, um, and I don't know why I always said that too, just because I thought, you're going to be surprised, really. You're, you're just not going to believe this. This is, this is really amazing. I, this is the way God figured out it should happen. <laughs> you're just not going to believe it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, do you remember how I told you that there was a seed inside of Daddy and it had to meet with the egg that's inside of Mommy, yes? Okay, so what happens is this. The husband places his penis inside of the wife's vagina. That's a very difficult sentence to say. I don't see anyone writing that down. Um, <laughs> and, and so you may want to practice saying that so you can say it very quickly, you know. So the husband places his penis inside of the wife's vagina. Then the seed travels through the penis and meets with the egg that's deep inside of the mommy. Now... Even though that is a difficult sentence to say, it's the basic biology. And I don't think it's told in a very sensual way. And so all you're really doing is telling them the mechanics of how this happens. And you're giving it in a context of authority. This is what happens. This is, how it, this is what happens. You have to remember that if they're young, they're not hormonally charged like you are. So they don't have exactly the same reaction that someone on the other side of puberty has about that. So all the splotching and, and you know, cold fingers and, you know, all, the, all that's you. Like, they're just listening because they're six or seven years old. Wow. You know, now some of them will say, ooh, you know, they have that reaction, which that's okay. My reaction to their ooh was like, that's, that's a perfectly normal reaction. It's not for children. So, of course, you feel that way. You know, but this is for something much later on when you're married, after college, you know. <laughs> you get the scholarship, then you get the college. And so, so this is kind of the foundational information, okay? This is the message to conception is what I call foundational because you're going to have a lot more conversations than this. You're just laying a foundation of you being the loving authority in their family, in, in their life about this, and you're also showing them that you are a reliable source of truthful information, and they need to know that in this world. And you can tell them, you know, if you ever hear something about this at school, you have my permission to say, I would encourage you to say two things. I already know about that from my family, and it's not polite to talk about that. And you can just, you don't, you don't have to enter into those conversations. So after the foundational information, we, we have some more conversations. But we, before we go into those other conversations, and do we have a time limit? I, did you have? Okay, we're good. Okay, good. Uh, you, you don't want to go, do you? Okay, good. Um, let me just tell you a really quick story, okay, because we've gotten through this whole body of information, and so let me stop and tell a story. So um, a little girl goes off to kindergarten, first day of kindergarten, so of course her parents go with her, big day. I'm sure some of y'all experienced that this week. And everything was going just great until the little girl, they turned into her room, and she realized her friend, her best friend, was going into another room. And so there was a little meltdown there that they weren't going to be in the same room. And so... Um, the parents were com comforting her and saying, don't worry about it because, you know what, kindergarten is all about new friends. So you're just going to make some new friends. That she'll still be your good friend, but it's going to be great. You're going to make new friends. 
Three weeks of kindergarten go by. The little girl came home, was having a snack, talking to her mommy. Oh, how was your day? And the little girl said, oh, mommy, I made a new friend at school today, but I don't think you're going to let me play at her house. And the mommy was like, really? Well, why not? She said, well, after school, her 16-year-old brother watches her, and she watches her 16-year-old brother have sex. Good gasping. I don't know if you heard it in the back, but it's still going on. Um, I, and I, yeah, died. Okay, thank you, thank you. I needed that feedback because this was my little girl. Yeah, this was Jill. And, um, yeah, mm -hmm. you wonder why we switched schools. Um, <laughs> and so you know how the blood goes out of your legs and you can't stand up? So she's so cute, got pigtails and bows and everything, sitting on the stool, and I'm going down to sit on the floor. And, I, and as I'm going down, I'm thinking, you're right, Jill, you are not going to play at her house. Um, but I sat down, and I said, Jill, um, I am so sorry. That is so sad for your friend. And as soon as Mommy can walk, I will call the school. <laughs> but I, I am glad that you knew that wasn't a good situation. How did, how, tell Mommy, how did you know that, that, that I wouldn't want you to play at her house? How did you know that? And she's just eating that cookie, just not even paying attention to the fact that I'm not breathing. And she said, well, Mommy, you said sex is supposed to be for people who are married. And they're not married, I asked. You know. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> of course you did. I can see them out on the swings. You know, what do you do after school, Jill? Ballet. What do you do? Oh, really? Are they married? You know, nope, not married, not good. Okay, so... So she's still eating her cookie, and then she said, Also, Mommy, Daddy said it's very private, and no one should ever watch. It's like, really? When did Daddy exactly <laughs> say that? And, but I know, and he didn't say it that many times, but a couple of times he did. Let's see, I'll just use my son. Oh, can I borrow your phone for the clicker? Sure. Okay. So uh, a couple of times we'd be watching TV, you know, just the Ranger game or something, and because of when my children were growing up, there'd be a commercial for sex in the city. I mean, just right there in the middle of the living room, you know, and we're like, wait a minute, we didn't ask for this. So um, two people rolling around in the bed between the seventh and the eighth inning. And um, so we're just watching, and this is what Dave would do. He'd say, oh, I hope they're married. Click. <laughs> and he would just, whoops, we're gonna just watch the Weather Channel for a minute. And um, so, so bless her heart. But then, we know, while we're watching the weather for a minute, he'd say, you know what, kids, that's really private. No one should ever be watching that. Hope they're married. Private shouldn't watch it. Not, not a lecture or anything like that. Well, that had just gone in her head. She just kind of remembered that. So the next thing she said was, Mommy, can I go play? Yeah, go play. I mean, like, it was... She was just reporting what had happened at school that day. It was like, she has no memory of that, and I will never forget it. And so, <laughs> and, um, and so you know, I did re recuperate and call the school, and yes, there, the boy was, uh, the big brother was sneaking the girlfriend over, and this was a terrible thing, and the parents didn't know it, and he got in a lot of trouble, and I don't know why they told me all that. But anyway, um, certainly it was a terrible, horrible situation, but what I felt like was that 
Jill is protected from that situation. It sounds selfish that my own child would be protected. But if, I, if we had not had some of those conversations, I, first of all, I don't know if she would have come home and told me about it. And secondly, I'm not sure that she wouldn't have gone over to that friend's house and, and experienced what that other little girl was experiencing. So that night, of course, you know how it is. You're just telling your husband about it, and you're washing the dishes, and you're just, you know, oh, I can't believe this was just a horrible day. <laughs> and, um, and I had a sponge, and I was scrubbing a pot with this sponge, and I would, you know, fill it up and then squeeze it out. And, and I said, Dave, it's like there's a sponge in Jill's mind. And, and you could just, you know, he's like, oh, dear. Um, here you go again. <laughs> and I was like, no, but really, like if that sponge is curiosity about sexual things, Children all have a sponge in their mind that you could label curiosity about sexual things. And the thing is, is that Jill had absorbed what we had done in all those little conversations. And so by God's design, this is how a baby's born. By God's design, this is how a baby's made. And by God's design, this is why it's private or it's just for marriage. All these things had gone into her little sponge, and she'd absorbed all of that. And as a result, the message she heard at school that day, which is, sex is for 16-year-olds and other people watch, didn't sink in as her first impression of sex because there was something already there. What happens with a full sponge is that some, when something else comes along, it doesn't, you know, take it on in as its first impression. The first impression is already there. And so what I really want parents to see is that this is your privilege of parenting is to fill their sponge because Otherwise, someone else will do that. We want to be, even though we don't want that job, like we don't, I'm not saying, and you will be so, this is so much fun. I never say it's fun. I just say it's, it has a grand purpose. It has a grand purpose because you are not just raising someone's, you know, a child. You're raising someone's future spouse. And their vision of this is cast in their, in their family of origin. And so you really want them to understand this. So that's, that's when I realized, I think this is going to work. <laughs> like maybe it is okay that I'm teaching this class because I didn't want to tell Jill at that young age, but it ended up being her greatest protection. And um, so I just wanted to share the sponge with you. So, okay, so now what? Now they've got this body of information. And what you have to realize is that you now have what I call credentials. So you can now talk about things if they come up. Maybe you hear a word at school, and do you want to know what that means? Or, um, or you're able to maybe discuss something at your dinner table that you hadn't brought up before because they really don't even know what this is about. So um, it, it, look for ways that you can kind of emphasize things that might reinforce your message. Now, this is going to sound like a silly one, but um, we love Psalm 139. You know, not Psalm 139 is the silly one. That, that's not what I mean. But this is, we love the words um, fearfully and wonderfully made. And so even just talking to them about that, let's think about things that are fearful and wonderful. Maybe this winter you can sit in front of the fire and talk about, isn't the fire so pretty? We love to be close to it. But if it ever got out of the fireplace, it would be very destructive and harmful to us. Um, the tiger at the zoo, isn't it beautiful? Isn't that just an amazing animal? But it's in a safe place where it belongs. If it got out, we would all run away from here because it could be really harmful. And so, or the ocean is beautiful, but if it's a tsunami, you, it's not good. Out of bounds is not good. And, and not that you will bring that up every time or any, you know, but help them understand that in a way, sex is like this. You know, it is beautiful and powerful, 
but in, in marriage is where it is found to be beautiful. And outside, it can be very destructive. So they're not contradicting each other. Something can actually be beautiful and wonderful and also fearful and powerful all at the same time. So it's not, excuse me, I've got to just catch my throat. Um, so it's not an either or, it's both. And that's what we kind of want them to understand. So instead of just talking about the boundaries, you also should talk about the beauties. It's a beautiful and powerful thing, but we have to treat it with great respect because of, the, because of that. We have to really treat it with great respect. Um, then about a year before the onset of puberty, and ask your pediatrician when you think that might be, we need to bring on, to, we need to change the tone, you know, because they're about to physically be going through a lot of changes. Um, so I suggest like a little getaway or a retreat, <coughs> excuse me, or you can put them in a closet for the next 10 years. <laughs> that was an, a truthful consideration. Okay, um, move to Montana and lock the door. Uh, actually, um, this is a time, when you're first explaining sexual intercourse to them, you are not explaining the dangers or the pleasures of that act, even though we know that that can be a part of all of that. That's not really what we go into. But then, at, or, you know, just before the onset of puberty, they need to understand some of those intricacies. They need to understand that this can be a powerful and very pleasurable experience, but it can also, outside of marriage, cause a lot of pain emotionally and physically, and so you need to understand all of, all of the dangers and all of that. There are some wonderful books out there. There's actually, you all have a hometown pediatrician, Dr. Fitch, who um, wrote a book with the um, Medical Institute for Sexual Health. I don't think it's the younger Dr. Fitch, I think it's the older one that wrote the book. We love it. It's on the maryflow.org website, and they've actually republished it through Focus on the Family, but we like his original one better, so the nonprofit that I work with bought up all of his resources. You're going to want to, to get one, because it's very good. It answers a lot of questions in a medical way, and the back of the book is fabulous, because it'll scare the bejeebers out of your children. Uh, it's not a book you read to children, but once they're you know, middle school, they could certainly read what's in there. So um, anyway, you'll want to arm yourself before this talk with some good information. Also, Family Life with Dennis Rainey has a great program that you can kind of listen to and, li and look at a workbook and work through a lot of things with your kids. It's a, it's a very helpful, sound thing. So what I'm saying is at some point you do need to have this mega change of of um, dynamics because you need to explain to them physically what's going to happen to them, psychologically what they're about to go through, how different, you know, they're going to have different responsibilities and different trust. I mean, there's just a lot to talk about, plus what we call the dreaded list, which would be like masturbation, oral sex. It's, it's a really fun weekend away. Um, <laughs> just, just so much fun. Um, I will say that Pornography used to be a part of that preteen talk, and that is now too late to start explaining about pornography. So, um, an awareness of pornography because of what you hold in your hand and what they hold in their hands is right there. And I mean, what what is the game like that builds things? Yes. Okay. Well, a friend of ours. Um, 
her, her son was just trying to get a clue or a hint or something, and it took him straight into pornography. I mean, horrible, horrible things. And it was like, no. Like, I researched this. I, I read all the things about it. It doesn't, you know, that I, I didn't get any warning on this. So even parents who do their due diligence, you know, it, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's when will they stumble upon this, which makes my heart so sad. So do everything you can, get covenant eyes on, on your computers, and, and there's also a wonderful website called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Is that a book? That's a book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and then fightthenewdrug.org, fightthenewdrug.org. You've got to get armed for this, because basically I see this as more dangerous than the poison under your sink you know, for a toddler, because this will, this is like pouring acid on their brain for this to be a steady, you know, for this to be in there. So it's not that they will never see it, but they need to know how dangerous it is and to flee. <laughs> they, they, need, you, they, need to, you, you're, they need your help to know how to handle it if it pops up and what to do and how to tell you, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know the best way to, to really... Um, warn a small child the only idea I came up with was um, maybe to find their favorite book and hopefully it's a really pretty book but um, get their favorite book and go get another one just like it run over it with your car get a marker pour acid on it you know just basically de you know destruct it um, and make it be ugly and like the awful and then show them both books you know and just say you know, you love this book. This is a beautiful book. We have so many happy memories with this book. But what if this was the first time you'd seen it? What if the first time you saw this book, it looked like this? You know that's how the, the, this is not how the book is supposed to look. It's supposed to be a beautiful book. And so there are things on the Internet that want to take things that are beautiful, that are intended to be beautiful, and contain happy memories, and they've turned them into this. And we know this is not the way it's really supposed to be. So maybe that's kind of a benign way that, or maybe a beloved toy, I don't know, something that they could relate to that that's, you know, it'd be so sad if that's the way I thought that book really was. So anyway, that's just one idea that you might want to try with a young child. I don't recommend just going onto porn sites and saying this is porn. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you've got them this weekend away, and I'm just going to give you one more tool before we talk about our resources and answer questions and been such a fun morning. Okay, we, um, with my, Jill was my question asker, Davis was too, but Meg, my firstborn, was like, mm-mm, don't want to talk about this, mommy. Like, fingers in the ears, la, 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 I don't hear you. And so, um, I knew my weekend away with Meg would be spent talking through a locked bathroom door. So, I invited her best friend and her best friend's mother, because we've saw eye to eye on everything and said, let's just do this together. Yeah, okay, good. So Meg will have to hear something because three other people will be talking. And so, <laughs> and you know, she has three children now. She figured it out. Okay, but, um, but we brought along a, a cassette tape, this shows you how old we are, of Dr. James Dobson talking about preparing for adolescence. Okay, so we thought we were such good mothers doing that, and so we pushed the cassette tape and the thing was, is that I, I really have a lot of respect for him, but the way he says the word puberty, 
Uh, and can you believe it? So every time it was a puberty, like this pee that was spitting every time. And he said the word puberty right into the microphone. And we were just rolling on the floor laughing about, we didn't hear one thing he said. And I was like, I think this is going really well. We can't listen for five minutes without him saying puberty. Yeah, you, have you ever noticed that? Anyway, not, a, not an indictment, just, you know, please. So it's like, okay, we need another plan. We need to talk about something else while we get our act together here. So we made this up, and it turned out to be the best thing we did all weekend. So I'll show you what it is. It's called the lifeline. No technology involved. And you just take two sheets of paper, and um, we drew a long line, and we said, okay, girls, girls. Pay attention. We're not going to talk about puberty anymore. Just um, let's, we're going to talk about your life. And we made 88 notches on there. And we said, let's pretend like you grow up and you live 88 years. Wonderful. That's such a good long life. Not too long. And um, not too short, not too long. And, and you're 12 years old. So look at this. This is how long you've lived so far. My goodness, you're such big girls. Okay, let's ro like roll the highlight film. Tell me how wonderful your life has been with me as your mother. Like, what is your... Favorite memory, favorite vacation, fa you know, favorite joke you ever heard. You know, tell me some of the highlights. What, what was the best year at camp so far? And, and what's been your biggest challenge in life so far that you've overcome? What's a talent you've discovered, you know, recently? So I I'll tell you about your first three years and how cute you were, and then you tell me how, what a good mother I am. Okay, then let's skip this part right here, and let's live your whole life. Let's dream the dream, like your education, your, you know, this, uh, the professional sport you're going to be, Davis, let's talk about how long you're going to play for, you know, the pack. And then, um, you know, just your family, your dreams, your travels, your mission trips, everything. Let's, let's talk about everything. And, and, they, and the kids you're going to have, they had these beautiful lives that they were putting together. And then about age 38, they could not think of anything else to do, like they had done everything. <laughs> and I said... Well, do you see all these twins you had over here? You won't be doing anything but folding clothes and going to the grocery store. So just give it up. <laughs> and, um, and that's after you go to work all day. So um, then, because uh, you got this master's degree over here and you're going to use it. Okay, so anyway, so I said, don't worry about doing too much. Then you, you, you'll be in carpool lines. Then, uh, but then they go, grow up and they go away. Now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? So we live out their whole life. It's really kind of fun to hear what they want to do. And then we said, now let's come back to this little bitty part right here from 13 to 20. That's what's next for you. Now, as you can see, it's not the biggest part of your life, but it's, it's kind of pivotal. It's like, just like you look at a great big door, it's kind of the hinge. Like, which direction are you going? What are, it's not confined to that because some people have really bad teenage years, and they turn out to be the best people you know. So everything's redeemable, but it's my job as your mom to try to get you through these years with as little baggage and few regrets as possible. So when you um, see this right here, this is your senior year in high school. If you hear the word Cancun, just know it does not involve you. <laughs> we, we've already made reservations at the Williamsburg Inn and it's going to be so fun. <laughs> I'm that really fun mom. <laughs> So this is, this is basically the, the, the outline. This is the strategy. The strategy is, is that you get a message you are really excited about, and you show that message in these small conversations that add up to big ideas because you've already come up with that big idea. 
And then you transform that into a conversation that you have with teenagers. And it's instead of being the talk, it's a lifetime of conversations. And you will have to go back many times. Like we had to change the way we talked when they were older because they really didn't want to sit across the table from you in the kitchen. You know, sometimes I would just call them on their phone and they're in the other room. You know, now I saw your look, you know, when you came in. Did y'all, is everything okay? Everything go all right? Okay, no, just checking. You know, because they just don't, didn't want to, if I walk in the room, I get this. Like, when are you leaving the room? But if, you know, so you have to look. And, and some dads have a hard time talking to their kids. So one dad bought a beautiful box and he filled it, you know, every once in a while he'd put a letter in it to his daughter totally wipes me out just to think about that but it was beautiful and she knew his thoughts and she also knew he wasn't the kind of guy that could just you know roll it on out there at the conversation but he was present and he knew what he was you know what he was trying to say to her so just know there's not one way to do it there's just your way to do it the matter is is that you've got to do it so thank you all for coming we're not done just a second but thank you all for coming but we're through with kind of the 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 training part okay so um could you put the, not the, yeah, oh yeah, great. Okay, great, okay. Now this is like my next child. <laughs> so Megan and I have been working this year to get things to launch this fall, and we're so excited. Our new um, website is going to be birds-bees. And so what we would love for you to do is, I think it's the next one, just a second. Okay, we would love for you to write that website down there's not a website there yet, but there is what's called a landing page. So proud that I even know that. And, um, and you'll be able to put your email in there. And so when we do launch, you'll get an email saying, we're live, come and visit us. And this is going to be a website that we hope it will walk you through this part, this section of your life. You know, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle this? This is what we're seeing. This is what we're hearing. We are not the experts on everything, so we're going to interview experts on pornography, child abuse, you know, what, all the different things that it's like I don't, I, I don't really know myself, but there are people who do. And I, but I, Megan has the heart of a mother. I have a heart of a mother. We would ask the questions a mother would ask, not who a news person might ask. So, um, so we're going to have just a whole avenue of things. We're also going to videotape. Um, her speaking, my speaking, but in my house, kind of a conversation with you all. So if you come to this and you think, oh, my neighbor didn't get to come, you can say, well, go to the website because it's all going to be on the website. Now, it's not all there right now, but um, we've got books in the back. I've got, let me just show you the resources I have because it's, it's not like this will be new information. This will just be in, to a fresh new generation of mothers because if you go to my old website, it's so 80s because that's when it was made. Okay. Um, this was my first book. It's called Simple Truths. Mothers don't ha and dads don't have time to read a long book, so we condensed everything you just heard um, into a very small book that you can read in a very short time. So this is a great handoff to somebody. You know, I'll take the kids to the park for an hour, and you read this book, and then we'll talk about it. So this is um, uh, Simple Truths, and it's $15. Then, a couple of years ago, I wrote a second book called God's Very Good Design. It's the same steps we talked about today, but there's a lot more scripture 
in there. And today I did not bring as much scripture into as I would like to, but it's all in this book. I just try to get the steps out there primarily, but now this is sort of a, a book that you can refer back to and find some really good scriptures that go with the conversations that we just talked about. It looks like a children's book. No, it's not. Sadly, it is a book for you. Um, but there is a great series. I didn't, I'm not the author of them, called by Stan and Brenna Jones. If you write that down, it's called God's Design for Sex. You might want to order those on Amazon. Those are good books to read to your children. Now, okay, those are my two books, but I also have a DVD series. This is exactly what you just heard, except I'm in Denver, uh, and there are three discs. The first disc is this talk that you just heard. The second disc is an audio CD, so you can plug it in your car and just listen to it, you know, with when it's not carpool time. And, um, and, or, you know, somebody can listen to it on drive time or something like that. The third disc is frequently asked questions in my kitchen. So th that's another DVD that you watch. If you buy this, you also get this. And this is $35. Both of the books are 15 But if you buy both books, it's 25 And if you want to take me home with you and just buy every single thing, it's $50. So... Those resources, we do take credit cards, checks to Mary Flo, Ridley, and cash. So I just, I just want to thank you all. I mean, is this not the best crowd? This is great. I want to move here. Uh, great moms. And also, I will say this as a grandmother, let in, inform the grandmothers and the child care people of your, who could take care of your children what your message is. Like to say they're asking this question a lot. And you can just refer them. You can say, well, when mommy comes home, you can ask her that if that's what you want her to do. But just give her some help because these things do come up in front of grandparents. And they kind of think, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And um, so just let them know our message is this or they've been asking this and this is what we've been telling them. It's fine if you want to reinforce that, whatever. But, of course, your parents will be shocked that you're talking about it. But they'll be proud of you, too. Um, do we have time for a couple of questions or sure. do we want to dismiss? Okay, perfect. Okay, well, we've got some time then. And also, there is, um, I would love for you to fill this out. This is in your handout. And if you would, fill this out while we're doing some questions. Um, and if there's an organization here in San Antonio or in Houston or Bernie or anywhere that you think it would be a good place for me or for Megan to come, um, then please write that down and we'll get a hold of them and see if they wouldn't like to have us come talk. Okay, any questions? Yes. For, for a parent, honestly, either of those. Because some of these questions come up at a preschool age, like simple truth, both simple truths and God's very good design are, are intended. Even if they're not asking at a preschool age, this is a perfect time to give you some running room because you just never know. Once it's, it's just kind of amazing what they come home with, even if they are in, in a play group, just because of older siblings, things that are happening, so I would just get your, I would use this time to get yourself ready. And that's what Simple Truths and God's Very Good Design would, would do to get you ready. Because um, that way it's not, you're not just responding. So I think the preschool years are just a perfect age to do that. You know, it's kind of what n comes naturally for your family. Um, 
the, the um, if you normally, do, what I would probably do, if you feel like, you know, I could, I feel like I could explain some of these things to all three of them, I would explain it on a six-year-old level, if they're six, seven, and eight. I would keep in mind, okay, I have one that's a, either about to be in third grade or, you know, somewhere up there, so he may get, have more exposure, but I'd kind of explain the basics on the six or seven-year-old level, and then when you get your eight-year-old on your own, you might add just a little more complexity to it, just a little bit more, um, but I think that the basic information is not that um, different age, age categories, but I'd want them to know, if you ever have a question, we don't have to gather as a group, like you can come to me, and so I, I would kind of do whatever you do naturally. Um, if they're all in the car and it comes up, I wouldn't say, oh, well, we've got to drop two boys off before I can answer that question. So I would just try to make it natural. I, I, I'm all for all of it. But um, basically, sometimes I think moms are there when the questions first come up. But our, our um, process was, you get the question, you answer it. Whoever gets it, you know, gets it. <laughs> and so, um, but I think, what I think is important, let's say if I talk about uh, birth, let's say one day, well, then I let, I, it's, we made kind of this deal, I'll let you know what we talked about so that when you put them to bed that night, you bring it up. Oh, I understand you and mom talked about how a baby's born. Boy, I remember when you were born. Did, what did you think about that? You know, just, you know, just continue the conversation with dad. In their minds, you both talked to them. Even though you had the initial conversation, they had a follow-up conversation with dad, and that's so important. We can't leave dad out of it. He's crucial to this mix. I think that the, and, and studies do show this, Dr. Um, Lehman has pointed this out, Dads who connect with their daughters in a real positive way is the strongest indicator of purity. Like girls who have sex at, a, at an early age are looking for affection and affirmation, and they need to have gotten that from their dad. And that's, or you know, it's not like one plus one equals two. It's not like it's absolutely going to happen if there's not a, a, a strong, um, loving, caring, responsible male in their life. But it does leave them a little more vulnerable. So as that daughter grows and goes through those preschool year, I mean, uh, preteen years, sometimes dads don't know what to do with them. Like, where can I hug you that's safe, you know? Um, so it's, it's just a matter of kind of holding their hand or rubbing their neck or just staying close to them, still having those daddy dates. It sounds so corny, but they just love them. Just me and daddy are going to a movie and we're going to go get yogurt and, and the way that he treats her and respects and protects and all of that sets her up at, you know, be the guy you hope that she dates, you know, basically. And so that's very important. And I think mother and son in the same way. You know, Davis, I know, sweetheart, that girls are a mystery to you, but I, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I am one. And so um, I can tell you kind of what is important to them. And I would say number one is that you smell like soap. And um, number two is that you be polite and respectful of everything about them, respectful of their mind, respectful of their body, respectful in every way. And, you know, so they, it's like, really, girls like, yeah, yeah, they really, really like that. Oh, here's another good little hint, real quick, um, that we did on this weekend away. I said, okay, and Dave did this with Davis, too. So 
and we did do the father, son, mother, daughter for that weekend awakening. Um, he said, Davis, I want you to write down all the components of a perfect friend. Like, what is a perfect friend? So it's like, well, somebody that makes me laugh, somebody that, you know, I like to hang around with, someone that's interested in sports, you know, somebody. So he made this long list of all the things that made a good, someone who's honest, someone who will, you know, is, respects me, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and then Dave went up and wrote the word girl. And he said, this is what you're looking for in a girlfriend. And I don't see the word hot anywhere on here. Um, and, but basically, these are the character qualities that you need to be looking for because that's the kind of person you will enjoy dating. Don't fall under the pressure of, that's the girl you've got to take out. You know, be looking for these so that they understand this is what you're, you're looking for a relationship here of someone that you enjoy talking to and being with and share. You know, if you're a Christian and, you, you know, you want your friends to be, uh, to share that faith too. And so that's something you would look for in a girlfriend. So help them, guide them on some of those little, little tracks too. Yes. Sure. Right. Okay, what do you say when they have two mommies or two daddies in the classroom? One thing that we don't want is for our children to be confused. And so be sure they understand biologically two males cannot make a child. So there are two men who are raising and loving this child, but they did not create this baby. Somewhere there was an egg and somewhere there was a womb. And they obtained that child and are raising that child. So we don't want them to grow up thinking two women can conceive a child. And um, so once again, go back to the biology of it. And then your, that's when your values start to take over. And this is when you're going to frame up what, what you believe is important for them to know about that. But basically, we want them to first, I think, understand that that can't, you know, that there may be two men raising, but these are not two daddies. Uh, that's because that can be very, you know, Sophie has two mommies or whatever the book is implies that they create that that was um, able to happen. So um, anyway, the um, but then it takes its course for either you being able to say that this is, um, you know, basically this is God designed this in the garden to be between a man and a woman for oneness and for fruitfulness. Uh, all of us go our own way in some way of their life, and this couple has decided they're going to go their own way on, on this area of not, ad, you know, maybe adhering to that husband and wife. And so whenever I go away from what God wants me to do or they go away, there's, there's you know, there are challenges and um, there's, there are difficulties. And so... Um, you know, I would just, I would, I'm just giving you an example and not of what you have to say, but how you can verbalize that. And then they'll, you know, you could, if they're older, you can say physically, this is, this, ha this is how it happens. Like a husband, uh, th this man loves this man the way, um, maybe I, in our family, we would have said the way God intended for him to love a woman. And so, um, you know, we, we would explain <laughs> anal sex basically. And that is how that happens. Now, I would not do that with a very young child by any means. 
you know what I'm saying? So I would pick your time, but I wouldn't shy away from that. Actually, we were raising our children during the Clinton administration. And, and so um, before I wanted to explain oral sex, it was already all out there. So I had to kind of go back and say, okay, now, do you, do you know what this is? And it is absolutely sex. It is an intensely intimate act. And it is um, when one person's mouth meets another person's genitalia. And that's how that happens. Now, you cannot get pregnant, but you can get every single sexually transmitted disease that way. Gonorrhea of the throat is not something you really look forward to experiencing. And the human papillomavirus, which causes cervical cancer, also causes brain cancer. So I don't think it's going to be something you're going to want to do. Um, so that's where you want to be as informed as you can so that you can just scare the bejeebers out of them a little bit. Yes. I'll repeat the question in just a second. Well, didn't give the full story. Okay, so she had explained um, sex in kind of a biological, mechanical way. Then her child went to school and heard the phrase, sex is when you tear your clothes off and have sex, and that she heard a different version at school. And I think you can say, you know, in our family, we, we want to, just because you heard it at school first doesn't mean I was never going to explain that aspect to you, and I'm a little bit frustrated that you heard that at school because I don't think that's something that nine-year-olds really need to have on their minds. I think your questions need to be answered and I did answer it accurately but I didn't answer it on the on that level because I don't think that's a nine-year-old level. I would disagree that that's that it's that I didn't tell you. You know I'd be as adult as I could. I'm sorry that hurt your feelings or that you feel like I left something out. You know what there's a lot about this subject I haven't told you. That doesn't mean I'm not going to tell you and that I won't try to tell you before you hear it at school, but I can't know everything you're going to hear at school. So I try to get back on track with her in, in the trust category and just say, I have lots of things I want to tell you, you but I, we need when to, right. when the time is right. But I also, when you hear these things at school, please come tell me, because I want to clarify it, because it would be very sad to me if that's all that child knew about sex. It is so much more. It is part of a covenant, unselfish act not a ripping clothes off. I don't really like you having that image of it either. So, you know, there are a lot of images out there. I hope you'll pay close attention to the image we want you to carry from our family in our house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. But if you want to be, yeah, how do we talk about sex outside of the realm of conception? You know, and that really is just to say this is part of that in God's perfect design, this was for oneness of flesh. They were naked and unashamed and for fruitfulness to have babies. Okay, we need to kind of break it up because it's time to go. But I'll be in the back if you want to continue the conversation. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you, Amanda. And thank you.
Okay, we got it. Can you help me? Just <laughs> 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 <laughs>